Welcome to the daily VFN Radio Highlights, where we're keeping the conversation light at VFNTV.com. Enjoy. Well, our president, President Barack Obama, is already talking about what he's going to do mm-hmm. after he gets out of office. And obviously, it's the most pressured office you could possibly... Somebody yeah. says, described it this way. It's like drinking from a water hose. No, drinking from a fire hose every day <laughs> in the White House. And so, obviously, he's aged a bit. Everybody ages The amount a of bit. decisions he has to make in one day. In one day. Yeah. But the whole thing about it, you know, that you know, historically, that as we talked about in the program, that... Um, Hillary Clinton and President Barack Obama were both organizers. They both were mentored in some way in a personal relationship with Hillary Clinton, with Saul Alinsky, who wrote the book Rules for Radicals. And the argument, based on my understanding between you know, Hillary Clinton's thesis and what she thought when she was dis- debating with Saul Alinsky, was she thought you can organize things from the inside of power. Mm-hmm. And he said, no, you have to organize it from the outside, outside. of power. Right. And, you know, and and, and, and they dedicate this whole book, Saul Alinsky, whose rules that they are using are used during this, te- this kind of technique, they dedicate that book to the first one that used these rules. And the first one that used these rules, according to Saul Alinsky, and of course it's biblically correct, is Lucifer. Yeah. And so, so uh, it who is- got, Who basically got a kingdom of his own, is what Saul Alinsky says. It's right. kind of scary. And so, the, and so Marshall Gantz, I think about Marshall Gantz before we read this Rolling Stones article of the president's interview, is that uh, Marshall Gantz was part of his campaign to get him into office, and they tried the theory yeah. of organizing from the Hillary, yeah Hillary Clinton's theory, and we have her thesis available for mm-hmm. you. You can read it and her her concept, even personal letters we have that she wrote back and forth. It's all about the fight. It's all about the fight, and uh, and she tried to organize from within. We we have to understand it's not going to stop. Mm-hmm. You're looking to organize, and that's what he's talking about in this article. But Marshall Gantz was was part of organizing in. We're looking at the narrative. It's so important when you're beginning to 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 lead a people or to do something. You got to watch for the narrative. Does it line up? Was it is it correct? Because what we're going to find out in this particular interview with Rolling Stones magazine, the president's going. We got to work on our narrative. We got to tell our story better. Well, let's go back and look at Marshall Gantz. What he said about organizers. Listen, to what he talks about that they just got to keep that narrative going. We have the whole interview for you. It'll be available. It's Bill Moyer interview, mm-hmm. but one clip of that he talked about. You got to be schizoid. A well integrated schizoid. A well integrated schizoid <laughs> because it's about you know manipulating and moving people. And it's like mm-hmm. let's just stop manipulating each other. Let's just let's just love each other and begin to live within our mm-hmm. constitution. Acknowledge that it's a Judeo Christian nation and and Christians. I'm telling you, there's the government gets blessed, and when we do what God tells us to do. You know, blessings come in store. But let's go look at Marshall Gantz. Marshall Gantz, what he says about organizing before we look at the brand new interview with the Rolling Stones magazine. But, you know, it's like Saul Alinsky said, organizers have to be well-integrated schizoids because you have to polarize to mobilize and depolarize to settle. But without polarizing, you're never going to mobilize anything. And yeah, then there's a time to negotiate. And I think we're really screwed up on that. So you're looking at the very one that helped him get into office the first mm-hmm. time, and he's, a, he's an organizer. If you're, I mean, obviously, if you're, if you, you know, I don't know, what would you sell like a Coke? You sell pop or Coke, you know, and you and you meet another pop or soda dealer. I mean, it's common that you, you're in the same market. Right. Well, it's, it's not odd that Marshall Gantz would be with President Barack Obama before as he's president organizer, as an organizer, right? because an organizer is not wrong. It all depends on who. Why you're organizing? What your and motive who, is? Yeah, and we have a, 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 a whole 
series called Organizers of, of the Day versus Organizers of the Night. Right, and, and Jesus, is call, Jesus is our organizer for the, for the light, and we're called to, to live according to His ways. Mm-hmm. But the enemy's always trying to organize in men's way. They always have some sort of utopia type thing going on. And for some reason, it always ends up with Christians being killed, the wisdom being killed, and camps and ovens and trains, and not, it's not good. But uh, let's look at this interview. This is an interview with Rolling Stones magazine, and uh, just going right in. Let's just dive into this mm-hmm. thing because what is our president's plan once he leaves the White House? Well, they asked the president. He said, "How did the Democrats miss the white working class in such great numbers, who clearly had these big economic issues? They have lost their jobs in industrial states." And President Obama had said that it's not quite that simple because this is not simply an economic issue. This is a cultural issue and a communications issue. It's true that a lot of manufacturing jobs has left or transformed itself because of automation. But during the course of the president's presidency, they added manufacturing jobs at historic rates. And think about it. In Michigan, actually, they have what is actually true, though. It says, is that whatever policy prescriptions that we've been proposing don't reach are not heard, by the folks of these communities and what they do here is Obama or Hillary are trying to take away their guns or, their, or, or they disrespect you. One of the challenges that we've been talking about now is the way social media and the internet have changed what people receive as news. He was just talking to his political director, David Simus. He was looking at his Facebook page and some links from high school friends of his, some of whom were now passing crazy stuff about the president or about, you know, Obama has banned the Pledge of Allegiance. I think it is really important for us as progressives set aside the the Democratic Party as an institution, but just anybody who wants to see a more progressive America, to think about how we are operating on the ground and showing up everywhere and fighting for the support of folks and giving them a concrete sense of what it is that we think will make their lives better. Well, it's always important to understand that people believe what they believe. Mm -hmm. If you discredit them by saying, well, that's just crazy, you're not gonna ever get anywhere with it. The truth is, progressives, people that think that, you know, government should be in control of everything, Mm -hmm. that you need to redistribute everything equally, they really believe that. It's been proven wrong over and over again in history, and anytime we make government God, it ends up wrong. We have to understand if a man doesn't know God, if a woman doesn't know God, they're going to go that way. They think think it makes sense. They're trying, you know, to move from that point. And I thought the very interesting thing in that article, the first part of it was, is one of the challenges that we've been talking about, the president's talking about, is social media and the internet. And he's talking about crazy ideas. Mm -hmm. But right now, I mean, look at, you can take your television remote if you you want to raise your blood pressure and you could turn it from VFN TV and go to you know, secular news, and they're just outright lying. Not all the time, not everything's being, is a lie, but they're just, it's, you think the whole world's over when you listen to the president-elect and what's taking place on their network, but when you flip over to VFN TV or you flip over to mm-hmm. another, a conservative broadcast about the president-elect, they're going, this is the most effective presidential cabinet in the history of America. <laughs> and then you flip over to the, uh, it's not the internet, it's actually broadcast television. So the thing the president's talking about the internet Thank God for the internet. Thank God that that people can actually exercise their First mm-hmm. Amendment rights because it is that where people spoke up that free speech. They can speak what yeah. they believe. And you, know, you heard you heard Hillary Hillary Clinton just speak recently about fake news. It's like, what have you been watching? <laughs> ABC News or NBC News or CNBC or yeah. CNN or 
I mean, they're just outright just saying things, and it's 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 just like they, you know, I don't know. It's just you know, this is prophetically what was been said. It said that they're gonna that the anchors are gonna fall out of their seats, and we're watching the fall of media that. as we know it because they don't know that we know, but like a high percentage, maybe 90 percent, I don't know, don't even believe media anymore. They don't believe. They just don't mm-hmm. trust, it. and you shouldn't trust it if that's what's happening. Mm-hmm. And what we try to do at VFN TV is we always, what we're saying is we source what we're saying, which that actually is a typical thing that you do when you're in, in journalism, you right. think, and we're not saying that's, that's what we're doing, but we, we do that so you can actually be informed about what you're talking about and where it comes from. That's when we had the VFN torch. So you, we broadcast this to you, but we also document it and write it down and give you the sources. So when you go have a conversation with somebody you like, can show them. You, I mean, yeah. they're, they're talking about crazy things. It doesn't even make sense. You can say, well, here is the facts. And they're talking about the internet. That's mm-hmm. freedom of speech. You know, it, Historically, it was newspapers, but now it's the internet. Yeah. This younger generation, they don't even know what a newspaper really is, if it's paper. I mean, they, they can't, they can't relate to that. And, and, yeah. and that highlights it itself. You know, we've never had a generation like the one now with the, in one moment, you can find out what's going on across the world that when you look at the amount of information that we encounter in one day, you look at our grandparents and they did not have that information maybe in their entire lifetime. And it's just like now you have all of this at one moment. That's exactly right. And you know, he goes on to say in the interview right there on uh, page 80, something mm-hmm. like, you know, if we are not on the ground uh, with the people, hearing them, seeing them face to face, we're gonna be keep losing this thing. And it's like, well, that's what you're supposed to be. That's what we're, at the church, mm-hmm. you know, whatever the world's gonna, they're gonna do, but. We got to get face to face with people. We got to begin to share with them the hope. Share with them about VFN TV. You know, subscribe to the Torch newsletter. Go to vfntv.com, upper right hand corner. Subscribe to the Torch. We have a free gift for you. But understand, this is we have to begin to move in these spheres of culture. Yeah. Whether it's the family uh, sphere of culture, whether it's the government or education, whether it's media, arts and entertainment, mm-hmm. business, whatever it is, we've got we have to begin to come out of our caves. I guess I don't know where everybody's at and begin to show our true colors. I remember when Pat and I were uh, with a particular lawyer, who's Christian, and uh, we were we didn't understand at that time that people privately say, I'm a Christian, but publicly you can't find a clue. And this lawyer was meeting with us and we, we asked this lawyer, said, listen, you need to put this armband on. And the armband had G period, O period, D period which is spells God, mm-hmm. but it meant a heart of gratitude, a soul of obedience, and a mind of dependency. Well, this terrified this particular lawyer. I mean, he was all hot and bothered about being a Christian and talking and everything, but once he had to put his Christianity on the outside of himself, he was terrified, but he did it. Mm. And you know what happened when he did it? Once he put God on the outside, he ended up having a whole different perspective. He left his career as a, as a, as a lawyer and ended up being a father and with his wife and a mother over a fatherless uh, sons and daughters. Wow. When you put Jesus on the outside, everything changes. And so when the president is talking about, you know, he believes the narrative that you know it needs to be a redistribution of wealth, it needs to be more of a government-controlled uh, equality type thing. That um, uh, and we do believe in equal rights. I'm talking about that. I'm talking about in regards to your business it needs to be liquidated so we can pass the money out. That's what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And so he's saying we need to get face to face with folks to be able to, to explain this thing. And it's like, we better keep talking because people might buy into that. And one particular German said this when he was studying the history of communism and Marxism. He said that 
communism, socialism, Marxism, the isms, is um, the greatest temptation to a, man, to a man's flesh. Mm. Because what they say is this, you'll never have to work again. You know, you'll just be able to just exist and we'll take care of your school if you want to go to school. We'll take care of your home. You know, we'll, we'll do it for you. We'll you do, it, we'll, do it, we'll do it all for you. And if we don't understand how things work, that that's not God's way of doing things, then uh, you buy into that. Hard work is a part of life. That's just that's That's right. That's exactly it. And, you know, and, and facing that in your culture, you know, when you face that in your culture and you're raising your kids, for example, in this environment, and they're hearing that all day long from the education sphere of culture because mm-hmm. it needs to be switched back to what it was. You come home and you talk, you talk to your kids and they go, they're saying, Mom, we need to be a socialist. But they're saying the behaviors and expecting the things of communism when the parents is going like, you won't get a job. <laughs> you're not <laughs> right. just going to school to go to school. Right. There's a reason why you're going to school. And then all of a sudden they start thinking the parents are bad, but the parents are not bad. The parents love you. God loves you. That's God's plan for your life. And so you have, you know, these Luciferian tactics that Sololinsky talked about and mm-hmm. taught, wrote about in the Rules for Radicals, tempts your flesh to go, you re- I, don't, I don't have to work. I can just get, get you know. Well, that's really what we've talked about before is that when, when you were going through school, they taught that reality of what is socialism, what is capitalism. Used to. Right, they used yeah. to. But now since it's been taken out of education, right. a lot of the generation presently doesn't know that they're being taught socialism. They're saying it's a good thing. Right. I mean, they're teaching that without using the words, but they have a new form of socialism, right. a new form of communism. And it's just like, the one thing about history is it tends to repeat itself over and over and, and over we're again. we learn from history. When we get back from this break, we're gonna talk about, hear more about the Rolling Stones article, because he's talking about organizing. And that's important because the theory was tested based on my understanding, Hillary Clinton's theory that she wrote her thesis about, and her argument with her mentor, Saul Alinsky, who wrote the book, Rule for Radicals, mm-hmm. taught her how to organize. He said you organize from outside the White House, basically, outside the Sheriff's Department, outside the community. And so you basically manipulate authority. You manipulate the county commissioners. You manipulate the city councils. You manipulate the sheriff. You manipulate the presidents. You manipulate CEOs of companies and stuff like that from the outside. She said you could do it from the inside based on her term paper and her conversation Mm -hmm. with Saul Alinsky that's in writing we have for you. But by the way, it was just proven when she lost the election, her theory was tested out, and I believe they're fixing to kick in from the outside, and it's gonna be really aggressive, Saul Alinsky uh, techniques, and he's talking about working on the story and his narrative, because that's how you gotta, you gotta have a clear narrative, you gotta be able to shift back mm-hmm. and forth, like a well schizoid, what was he? A well-integrated schizoid. Oh, yeah, because it doesn't <laughs> matter the narrative, as long as you get the people moving in that direction, because yeah. it's their agenda they're fulfilling, it's not your agenda because they feel like their agenda is the right thing for everybody. We are right in the middle of talking about this article, this interview with the Rolling Stones magazine that President Obama gave, and it's pretty interesting mm-hmm. because it looks like he's about to kick in the organizer part of him. Yeah. As a matter of fact, specifically, he says that. Let's just yeah. pick back up in the article, and you're asking him questions. Of course, this particular question they're asking him here is how are you gonna stitch the country together? Right, it's like, yeah. well, wouldn't you be asking that to the president-elect who's gonna lead? But you're, you're, you're asking the president who's leaving the office how he's gonna stitch? By the way, yeah. he's got a plan. Let's listen yes. to it. He says, well, the most important thing that I'm focused on is how we create a common set of facts. That sounds kind of abstract. So I'm, I'm, this is important. Yeah. Okay, before we get started, let's create new facts. 
you know, one plus one doesn't equal two, mm -hmm. that the, con the Constitution is not that important anymore. It's a list of negative rights instead of positive rights, kind of an outdated document. You know, uh, changing all, and you have to understand how you begin is very important. So when mm -hmm. the first thing that he wants to do is, and he's gonna talk about building his library on this too, is to get the facts straight. So you gotta have your facts straight yeah. when you're gonna have a conversation. It's only fair. Changing the if, meaning of if words. If you're gonna talk with somebody about what's right, you need to know what's right. Yeah. And so the first thing he talks about, he wants to get a list, uh, create a common set of facts. I mean, you don't create facts. Facts are facts. They just are, right? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I'm 120 pounds. That's fact, right? <laughs> That's fiction, that's fiction. But he's saying you can create that. Everybody, the whole studio's laughing here. Okay, everybody, everybody, <laughs> give me a moment here. Okay, but the whole thing is like you don't create facts; you find facts out. Right. Scientists find facts mm -hmm. when they're talking about global warming. You know that you have the scientists who say that it's not, and then scientists that say that it is. The truth is, he's like, what's the facts? It doesn't matter what your opinion mm -hmm. is. You know what are the facts? You don't create a set of common facts. Right. Facts are things you find out. And so right off the bat, you're looking at uh, the whole. And this is what he's saying, what, what his plan is as he leaves the yeah, White House. And he's always been honest about this um, from the get-go. Like a lot of people just didn't believe it, okay. So he says, another way of saying this, how do we create a common story about where we are? And that's what they talk about, you know, this, this is what Mark, Marshall Gantz says. He says, you got the story of self, mm -hmm. And so they, you start listening to maybe President Obama tell a story, you know. And he wrote a book, the 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 um, story, the um, what's this? The book about his father's father. Um, oh, um, no, President Obama's book. Anyway, so in his book, he wrote the dreams he wrote, of my father. The dreams of dreams from my father, and it wasn't really truth, but it was truth, because they found out afterwards what he did was he kind of built a whole narrative based off a lot of people's experiences, but he told it as his story. Mm. And so people read that and go, wow, whoa. And then you find out, well, it wasn't really my story, but it was a, it was a, a collaboration. Yeah. It actually was created common set of facts. It mm -hmm. was creating a story. And it really touched your heart because it was, it was it, it, it's, if, you, if you put everybody together in the world, all that's gonna be true. Mm -hmm. But it's not necessarily your story right. that's going on. But that's what he's talking about doing right here, yeah. And he continues to say, the biggest challenge that I think that we have right now in terms of this divide is that the country receives information from completely different sources. Like VFN TV, and all, yeah, right? And he continues to say that it's getting worse. The whole movement away from curated journalism to Facebook pages. Well, think about this. If we only would have had CNN, MSNBC, um, ABC, mm -hmm. all of those stations, they were totally convinced they were right. They even called up President-elect Donald Trump's daughter and told her about the exit polls, and she calls her father up and says, Dad, we're not gonna do this, we're not mm -hmm. gonna win this thing. They were wrong. <laughs> and they just lied the whole time. Yeah. They, they, it's so dangerous, this is so, lying is so dangerous is you can tell a lie so long, and that's part of the rules for radicals. Part of the rules for radicals, one of the rules is if you tell a lie long enough, it becomes truth. People believe it. People believe it. And the whole thing is, it's truth or not truth. It's either fact or not mm -hmm. fact. You don't create facts. But you know, Dreams From My Father was a created story from a lot of different people. So this is the quote, a, a paraphrase quote, and it put together and it kind of told it as my story. Yeah. But it didn't come out till later on, that's actually what happened. So you're seeing that take place right here. 
And so you got to say, you know, the whole point is every, all 300 million plus people in America is supposed to have the right to be able to have the freedom of speech. Yep. It's not just the people who own the corporation that has a happen to have a little spot on a uh, satellite somewhere who mm -hmm. happens to have a deal with a cable company that can broadcast their perspective of society and think it's everybody. We're going to talk about what the definition of the word press is so we can understand, mm -hmm. you know, you are press when you go out and you begin to share your thoughts and your ideas. So what's the rest of the article? So what about Facebook here? Right. So, and this there is- There was some pretty horrific things on Facebook. <laughs> I'm surprised what some Christians say. It's embarrassing, but they have the right to say those things. And, uh, and he's, so he's saying mm -hmm. Facebook, you know. So the president goes on to say that in which an article on climate change by Nobel Prize winning scientists looks pretty much as credible as an article written by a guy in his underwear in a basement or worse. I don't know why they always say that. For what? Hey, apparently that changes your credibility by what you're wearing. Right. But he says there's something written by the Koch brothers. People are no longer talking to each other. They're just occupying their different spheres. In VF and Kingdom Business, we're all about the seven spheres of culture. And he's saying they stay in their sphere mm -hmm. and they're just uh, texting and messaging back and forth. And what we want to do is transform culture. And you do that by coming a VFN Kingdom Business Partner because we're focused. Well, he's focusing on these seven mountains. Yeah. He wants to transform, fundamentally transform our nation. And, and there's many people that want to do that. And so we got to say, do we want to be at fun, fundamentally trans, transformed? Do we actually want to be the Judeo-Christian right. nation that God's called us to be? Yeah. He says, in an internet era, we are still where we still value a free press, and we don't censorship. We don't want censorship of the internet. That's a hard problem to solve. I think it's one that requires those that who are controlling these media to think carefully about their responsibilities and whether there are ways to create a better conversation. So you're looking and said, okay, we have the First Amendment, so we can't really, even though we really want it to stop, mm -hmm. but if we focus on the ones that, you know, like Mark Zuckerberg and we organize mm -hmm. against him and we have this Alinsky thing going on and we pressure him, we'll get him to begin to edit people's free speech. That's what he's talking about doing. Yeah. It looks like it to me. Okay. He says, it requires better civics education among our kids so that we can sort through what's true and what's not. And we talk about civil Christianity. Mm -hmm. You've got to sign up for civil Christianity. You go to civilchristianity.org because God told us prophetically this is what would be happening. And we've got to begin, begin to become civil Christians yeah. in a civil land. What does that mean? And that's what, you know, that's what he's doing. He's basically setting up his team to be able to fundamentally transform in the original Sololinsky method of how yeah. you do it. And when you understand the original intent of our nation and the Constitution, you can understand all the side conversations that try to come against that. Oh, yeah. Oh, so yeah. And he says, it's going to require those of us who are interested in progressive causes figuring out how do we attract more eyeballs and make it more interesting and more entertaining and more persuasive. And that's the really focus on, if you notice during uh, President Obama's administration, he was always on the young shows. He was always on the, the hip stuff. He was always on, because they were trying to make their message, their story, their creative facts appealing, appealing and yeah. entertaining. And the thing is, it's like, you don't want to be entertained all the way to, to you know some camp somewhere or eliminated or laws like we talked about in France in a previous mm -hmm. program when they're talking about having a law that if you if you dissuade a lady from having an abortion based on your Facebook post, you could face two years in jail yep. and $36,000 fine. That We don't like that story. <laughs> That's not a good story right there. No. Okay. So then Rolling Stones asked the president this question. He says, what's your plan going to be going forward with this? He says, I'm going to be organizing my presidential center which is gonna be focused on precisely this issue of mm. how do we train and empower the next generation of leadership.
How do we rethink our storytelling, the messaging and the use of technology and digital media so that we can make a persuasive case across the country? Which is kind of the very thing of what he's been talking about. Yeah, it really is. So they're talking and, about he's working on his message, yeah. messaging. And not just in San Francisco or Manhattan, but the president continues to say, but everywhere, mm-hmm. about why climate change matters or why issues of economic inequality have to be addressed. So I will continue to be very active, and Michelle is going to continue to be very active. And on the very thing that brought us here, which is our belief mm-hmm. that when you work with people on the ground at a grassroots level, change happens. So we're looking at rules for radicals. And if you haven't yet heard the series... You know, organizers of the night versus organizer of the day. You need to hear that because mm. these things are going to kick in big time. And it's really, I mean, it's a great temptation when somebody says, you're not going to have to do nothing. We're going to take, you know, uh, someone else's money, the billionaire's money, and, and spread it out, and you're going to have it. And, you know, uh, socialism works until you run out of other people's money. And you will yeah. run out of other people's money. Look at the, the governments out there. But the big thing he's talking about, for instance, he's going to use this presidential library to be a grassroots movement to be able to transform this nation into this place of created facts that tells a new story about our nation. We need to, tell, we need to rewrite history. Yeah. I think we need to tell our whole history. I don't think our whole history's been told. We need to merge it all. You shouldn't have to take a, mm-hmm. you shouldn't have to have a special class for that. But I look right here, look at the First Amendment. This is so important because a lot of times we don't understand that this is our constitutional right. The First Amendment tells us very specifically that the government shall make no law stopping the freedom of press. And so it's important that we have a freedom of press. You can't tell somebody on their Facebook that they can't share their opinion. Although a lot of people's opinions pretty mean and hateful, and mm-hmm. I can't believe they're saying that. And some people are saying things in the name of, of Jesus Christ that he would never say. He's not, that, he's not concerned about that kind of thing. But the things that they say are hateful. But you have a right to that. You have a right to create a new narrative and create new facts and, and share them. But we have a right to go in like, that ain't true. That's mm-hmm. not right. And think about the press. The government shall make no law concerning the press. Look at the definition of the press so you understand it's not just CNN. It's anybody who moves in this particular definition. Read that for us. Printed publications collectively, especially newspapers and periodicals, all the media and agencies that print, broadcast, or gather and transmit news, including newspapers, news magazines, radio and television, news bureaus, and wire services, a group of news reporters, and news photographers. This is so important to understand, which means you can start today being a press and doing a newsletter in your own neighborhood. But I want you to look at this quote, this particular quote by uh, Chesterton, G.K. Chesterton, is so important. He says, whenever you remove a fence, always pause long enough to find out why it was put there in the first place. We gotta go back and look at our Constitution, mm-hmm. and it comes from the root of the Magna Carta, which is 400 years ago, and two, two billion people are benefited from this reality of the Magna Carta. Take a look at this now. At the core of America's judicial system is the notion that no ruler, no government official or elected leader is above the law. It's a tenet recorded in every one of our founding documents, but that revolutionary idea didn't originate here. It came from a 13th century peace treaty that has shaped the free world for 800 years. The Magna Carta today The principles contained therein affect the lives of nearly two billion people in over a hundred countries around the world. There are only four surviving original copies of the 1215 Magna Carta. One of them is currently on display at the British Library in London with two of its much younger but more famous 18th century cousins, the Declaration of Independence and the U.S. Bill of Rights. 
in the Declaration of Independence, you have America standing up to a tyrannical king, but people are ironically looking back to Magna Carta, which is, of course, a document granted originally by an English king. You describe it as Britain's greatest or most important export. Eight of the ten in the Bill of Rights, the first ten amendments to the Constitution of the United States, are straight from Magna Carta. Magna Carta, Latin for Great Charter, was drawn up at a time when the divine right of kings and the feudal system was the law of the land, whereby a monarch's right to rule was not bound by any earthly authority, but came directly from Almighty God. There was only one lawmaker, the king, and that meant life or death. It meant imprisonment. It meant all sorts of penalties that could be whimsical. And in King John's case, it was whimsical. He abused his power to such a degree that he became one of the most loathed and reviled rulers in English history. Crowned at Westminster Abbey in 1199, he inherited the throne from his brother, Richard the Lionhearted. Unlike his brother, John was inept, greedy, corrupt, and showed mercy to no one. In the first five years of his reign, he lost most of his inherited lands in France through military and foreign policy blunders. Chronicler Gervais of Canterbury called him John Softsword. His wars were unpopular and costly, so he placed heavy tax burdens on his subjects to finance them. He was very good at fundraising. He was selling off widows to widowers and instructing them that they had to marry this woman, and if they didn't want to, then he'd fine them. If he did want to, he'd take money for it. In the meantime, she might try to bribe him to stay single because she couldn't stand the sight of the particular chap he was offering. And so he was collecting money from all three. If the barons owed him money, King John took their children as hostages until full payment was made. He would also degrade the wives of his noblemen with lewd and lustful behavior and added insult to injury with more taxes. And that was the thing that really led to the theme of no taxation without representation. He tripled their taxes. Perhaps his most insidious offense was his abuse of individual rights. He meted out judgment and punishment without due process. When his Welsh barons threatened rebellion in 1212, he had 28 of their sons hanged. Matthew Paris, a 13th century historian, famously wrote, Foul as it is, hell itself is made fouler by the presence of King John. The political climate in January of 1215 boiled over with revolt among his beleaguered yet well-armed barons. They confronted the heavily guarded John here at London's Temple Church and demanded that he fulfill his sworn oath and restore the ancient liberties granted to them a century earlier by King Henry I. According to one historian of the time, John scoffed and vowed he'd never grant them liberties that would render him their slave. A seriously tense and divided standoff ensued. By spring of that year, the barons renounced their allegiance to the crown and took its capital, London. With John the soft sword cornered and forced into negotiations, he chose a serene meadow called Runnymede. 
King John met with the barons here in this open field at Runnymede along the banks of the Thames River, two miles south of Windsor Castle, to make peace. It was on June 15, 1215, that he affixed his seal to the Magna Carta, the Great Charter. The peace treaty, originally called the Articles of the Barons, contained 63 clauses that limited the king's powers in matters of the church, courts, trade, taxes, and individual rights. So it's a potpourri of all sorts of things that are terribly important, but the absolute principal thing is the elimination of the right of divine rule of a king. The following year, King John died of dysentery and was replaced by his heir, the boy king Henry III. Under wise counsel, King Henry amended the articles three times. It was freely issued by the new king, Henry III. So it was free from the charge that it had been issued under duress at the field of Runnymede. But I think the most important thing about Magna Carta, sort of holistically, is that it established the importance of the principle of the rule of law. Magna Carta influenced centuries of English law and laid the groundwork for establishing individual rights. There's women's rights, actually in the Magna Carta, a privilege of a widow not to be forced to marry without her consent of women's rights. Same thing with children. There were children's rights in it. In time, many of the articles lost their relevance, but there's one today that remains the bedrock of America's judicial system. The key clause, which is buried in the middle of Magna Carta, it's not given any particular prominence in the document itself, but guaranteeing access to justice and the right to a fair trial. And that last clause, which is the one that's really stood the test of time and that people have looked back to over the centuries ever since, that's the one that's really at the heart of Magna Carta's fame today. Through the writings of Sir Edward Coke and others, Magna Carta and its ideas made their way to the shores of the New World, where again the king's subjects were on the verge of revolution. No taxation without representation. That's very important. It was, of course, the battle cry of the American Revolution. So they definitely looked back to Magna Carta as the embodiment of ancient rights. A medieval historian said of King John, he feared not God, nor respected men. It was, however, out of his abuses that Magna Carta emerged and over time became the cornerstone of liberty, law, and democracy. I think it's amazing in this 800th anniversary year just how much national and international interest and excitement has been uh, generated around the Magna Carta and how it's moved from being a medieval peace treaty into one of the most famous and iconic documents in the world. For CBN, this is John Jessup reporting in London on the 800th anniversary of the Magna Carta. Remember this. When you remove a fence, always pause long enough to find out why it was put there in the first place. When you look at the evil rulers that happened, that the reason why the Magna Carta came, up, came about and why the Constitution came about, when people want to rewrite it and create new facts and these things that are happening, right. you have to remember that it's that constitutional right that gives you the rights to operate as a free citizen in America. I want to pray with you. We're going to a close right now. You can find out more at vfntv.com on that. Father God, we love you. We thank you, Father God, for all those that have gone before us that labored so intently, Father God, to be able to, 
to lay down something as plain and clear as the U.S. Constitution, Father God. We pray, Lord, that you would give us the grace to keep it, to know it, to maintain it, and to uphold it, God. And all the enemies of the U.S. Constitution, foreign and domestic, that you would take your angels and remove them from this nation, God, and from Washington, D.C., and anywhere else, Father God, that we'd have leaders that would protect our constitutional rights. And Lord, we ask you right now, Father God, that you would end abortion, send revival, send a third great awakening, we pray. In Jesus' name, God bless and Merry Christmas to you. You've just been listening to the highlights from VFN TV and the Data Radio program, where we're keeping the conversation light. Listen or watch more programs and check out the VFN Torch at VFNTV.com. Don't forget about our VFN TV app where no matter where you are, you can take the light with you and share with your friends. We want to thank our sponsors and partners who make this program possible. Take the time and support our sponsors. You can locate them at VFNTV.com and select sponsors. If you'd like to become a sponsor or a partner, you can do so at VFNTV.com. VFN TV and the daily radio program where we're keeping the conversation light.